Hello and welcome back to the Marvellous Cinema Podcast. I'm your co-host Matthew. And I'm your co-host Henry. I'm back to alternating with the the, the intros. I'm yeah. doing it this week. Hello again. <laughs> back to the old way. Maybe uh, maybe you still think it's unusual? You'll get used to it, I'm sure you will. Maybe, maybe <laughs> we'll forget like we did before. Maybe, maybe this will be the last time I'll ever do it. That's yeah. a random intro. <laughs> um, you can tell I've not done this very often recently. Yeah. By the rambling nature of this. This little section. But it's important rambling, you know, you keep them up to date. It is. You know, we've got to keep people informed. They've got to know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. In- inclusion. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's what it's all about. That's the name of the game. Yeah. Um, Mamma too. Sorry? Mamma Mia 2. Exactly. <laughs> Bang on. Uh, that, that may or may not link to something that happens later on in this episode. Oh, she. There you go. I'm enticing them. <laughs> that is called professionalism. That's a setup. <laughs> um, before we get started, I'd like to point you in the direction of our Instagrams and Twitter, where we do reviews and little posts. We're going to have a little bit of a, a little bit of a revamp coming soon. Nothing major, mm-hmm. just a few cheeky little things with the um, the our sort of work being done for now, I suppose. Because mm-hmm. um, we've been we've been quite busy. Yeah, but we've not been too busy to, to not to not post and we have been doing little reviews the last one we did was palm springs i think was on there mm-hmm. yeah i think so um and we've got revenant coming up and that's the next one i've loaded up Ooh. um so yeah go, go check that out for a little more things you can interact with us it's always mm-hmm. fun i love having arguments although to be honest i'm surprised with the lack of arguments i've had <laughs> I, I am too, it, actually. There was only ever one I had, which was somebody commented on a post I commented somewhere else. Oh, okay. Um, no one, no one directly added me, so I'm pleased with because that. Because everyone knows we're the home for positive fan culture. We are. That's <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, we are. Welcoming home. We've got a nice little mat. <laughs> you know, the lights are nice and dim and warm. Yeah. Somehow it says your name. Don't know how we know your name. We'll find out later. <laughs> because we're living off positive energy. Yeah, we that are. sounded a bit cringy. Yeah. <laughs> positive vibes. Uh, positive vibes. Yeah. Without further ado, though, our topic <laughs> this week is cinema experiences. You know mm-hmm. that synergy is coming back in because by the time this releases, cinemas will hopefully be back open on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good. It's good stuff. Yeah. Unless it's, it's unsafe, in which case it's not good stuff. But yeah. that's the way of the world. That's where the cookie crumbles at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're talking about some of our positive ones, our favourite experiences. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if you want to start by giving a little little something about why it's important to you, the cinema experience. Uh, I think it's really important. I think this past year has been kind of a reminder of how important it is. Um I think in particular, kind of seeing new films um, at home on streaming has been so weird and odd and kind of like, I feel like I still haven't really watched the films I have watched that came out like this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like there's something weird about... So I did like, for example, like recently I did actually watch um, Mortal Kombat, the new one, um, mm-hmm. on TV. Um, and it just... I have my, I mean, I have my issues with the film on its own, but there was definitely something where I could imagine very easily that, at the very least, I would have enjoyed the film more if I was in the cinema and I could fully 
just look at the screen for the two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's not to say like I'm a person who has my phone next to me all the time when I'm watching a movie, but it's de- it definitely helps being in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I genuinely I'm just nostalgic for it. Like I miss the feeling of it and the smell of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the popcorn, and I miss kind of it because I mean before the lockdown I was kind of like aside from like maybe going for a run it was my other activity I would mm-hmm. do just waste time <laughs> um and I've missed it a lot um I would collect tickets I had like a big pile of tickets in my room somewhere Same. um yeah um and I know people like some people really don't like the cinema experience and kind of prefer having the comfort of your own home um but I think because of what we're about to talk about and our kind of the special experience that we had um there's definitely something, I don't know, kind of helpful about being in the cinema. Um, mm. And, yeah, I think it's really, really important. I think people want to know what's things on TV is kind of... I don't want to say, you know, going as far as Scorsese, like, killing cinema or whatever, but I just, I just kind of, yeah, I just kind of... I kind of recoil whenever I hear someone, like, I kind of prefer streaming, and I'm like, ah, you know. <laughs> Cause then, I, cause then, I imagine things like going to see like Avatar, and then mm-hmm. on my TV and not on a uh, big screen, IMAX screen. Um, but yeah, this. How do you feel about the cinema experience? It's Jeff? very much the same. I mean, yeah. the argument is there where you know you can say if it's a good film, you can probably enjoy it anywhere. But I just, I just prefer not to think that. <laughs> yeah, I like I say I'm slightly nostalgic. I have a lot of happy memories of going to the cinema. It's before the pandemic and everything. It was a you know it was a thing I did fairly regularly. Mm-hmm. It was like a regular event. Yeah, um, and it's just fun to to be in that environment because no matter how hard you try, you can't really replicate that at home. I, yeah, I tried with um, Jack Snyder's. Uh... Justice League. I like yeah. had the curtain shut. I had the uh, food out, but yeah, wasn't the exact same. <laughs> it just without without having that massive fuck off screen. Yeah, <laughs> absolute darkness. You you can't quite replicate, and the sound of course. Um, you can't quite replicate, and and yeah, a good film is a film you can enjoy anywhere. But a lot of that sometimes enjoying a film at home. You can do because you've also enjoyed it in the cinema, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, part of my fondness for such certain films is because I have great memories of seeing them in the cinema. Yeah. And maybe if they had released it at home, they wouldn't have, wouldn't have had that. Yeah. Um, and as well, it just it creates it's just the perfect environment to be able to watch a film because there's no distractions. Even, even, even at home, with the best boy in the world, you could be enjoying the film, but there's still a temptation to look at your phone and check something, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just the, the perfect environment to watch it and it makes it feel more special. It's just an event kind of thing. Because um, even, even you know, if the two films that I've brought I've brought to the table for this, this episode, if mm-hmm. I'd watched them at home for the first time, I wouldn't have had the reaction that, I probably wouldn't have had the reaction that they gave me mm-hmm. but you know being in in that room experiencing the same thing as all these other people m- magical yeah <laughs> um so without the lane anymore 
would you like to talk about your first one? Uh, yeah. Um, I think I'm going to start off the one that you'd probably expect from Henry. Um, mm. The rest of my list is very kind of surprising, I guess. Um, but my first one, I couldn't really pick one out of the the trilogy, which gives it away, but <laughs> I couldn't really pick one experience out of like, the three films, so I guess I'm just going to have to go for the sequel trilogy. Um, mm-hmm. And I, when I say the sequel trilogy, I mean like, I can literally tell you the feeling, um, literally, that maybe, I think even the day of the week. Um, Just to clarify, uh, we're talking about Star Wars, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. This yeah. sequel trilogy, Star Wars. Um, <laughs> Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rather Skywalker. Yeah. Um, the feeling of kind of knowing that after, before, like, I'm going to be different after I see the movie. <laughs> that makes sense. Um mm-hmm. And it actually kind of was true in some ways, especially for the middle chapter. Um, there's just so much memory and hype. And I guess also for me, what was kind of quite fun, I think we discussed in a different episode about how I do kind of start to enjoy it when a film's not universally loved. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of started to love the controversy of it. Um, and I think in particular with The Last Jedi, which for those who don't know, is both my favourite Star Wars film and maybe my favourite blockbuster of the past 10 years. Um, other than that, like maybe Mad Max, for example, or Miss Impossible. Um, but there was something... I think... Because I, I want to see it for the first time by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see it after school. I remember this very well. I want to see it after school. Um, went to literally travelled to my cinema by myself and watched it was insanely excited. I didn't really think about school whilst I was at school. Um, I was 17 years old, I guess. Um, and I remember watching it. And I somehow... I still don't know how I quite did this because I, I wasn't really aware of the controversy around it until maybe like a few days after I watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I missed it because I did have Twitter and I had all that. I was, I'm not sure how that happened. Maybe in the UK it got an early release. Um but, mm. Yeah, I I remember I remember very similarly. It felt like mm. the initial controversy wasn't immediately after. Yeah, it was maybe like a week or two after. I can't yeah. remember what it was. I I remember um, it similarly. But I remember kind of this weird kind of joy I got from it, in the sense that I will never forget the the moment in the cinema when I was by myself and. I was really, I was like analyzing the shit out of this movie the first time I was watching it. Um, and I was just, I remember, I think it was at the point where the surprise kind of fourth act happens on Crate. Um, and all the characters kind of converge. And Ray shows up with the Millennium Falcon um, mm-hmm. and shoots those three TIE fighters in, in one blast. Um, and I remember that happening. I remember like, literally like, sinking into my chair. And kind of going like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. And I remember kind of like having a moment where I was like looking around me thinking, is anyone else having this reaction? Because <laughs> um, I thought it was so incredible. Um, and I remember one of my first things coming out of cinema was, I remember just thinking to myself, the fans are going to hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking that so much. And I annoyed my friends at school at the time who either hadn't watched it or watched it and thought it was fine or pretty good or whatever. Um, 
I just kept on making the same comic. I couldn't get it out of my head how much this film was going to piss off people that were fan fans. Um, you know, the people who, you know, make videos on the power levels of characters. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember just... And I was, to be fair, to be fair to Pass Henry, I was kind of right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember thinking that. I remember coming home and telling my parents that. And I don't know why, but I was so excited about... I think because going from Force Awakens and kind of, for the most part, loving that film, um, the main fear I definitely had was, so is the sequel trilogy just going to be the original trilogy, but with a new kind of uh, uh, coat of paint? Um, and I was really worried that, last year it was, was just going to be Empire, but a bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously we got Last Jedi, which was unlike pretty much any Star Wars film. Um, and I remember coming out and being so happy about that, and how well it did, how well it did that for me. That it's one of the most special things. Um, and then you know the other things around around that was also the Force Awakens, Rise of Skywalker, very different experiences, but still very happy ones for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we discussed before Rise of Skywalker with kind of the you. I don't think I think you said that you were you weren't aware of the kind of backlash against it no i wasn't I, I went in blind right yeah i i kind of i was very much aware of it <laughs> um a bit too much really um and then because i love the i love the middle film so much that hearing these kind of comments which weren't necessarily people that hate the last one hate this one it was more like people who i generally trust who loved the last one um hated this one and that's what's really scared me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had so much like build up and hype for that movie that I remember literally going to the bathroom beforehand before like the movie started and like literally like almost kind of shaking, <laughs> like kind of having more like, am I about to come out this movie and be like, this is the, I don't know what comparison I can make. This is the Terminator 3 of, <laughs> of the Star Wars universe. Um, and I was like so nervous, but so excited. Um, and I, Remember having issues, obviously. I think we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember when the third act hits and it kind of starts to make itself clear um, and it kind of has these moments of resolution and John Williams just has the most fun he's ever had. Um, and then the film ends. I remember feeling so like happy and relieved at the same time mm-hmm. um, that... I knew at the very least I had like a core cinema experience where I loved it. Um, and even if I, from this point on, start to dislike it a bit more or even like it a bit more, I always have that to fall back on. That I had, at first at least, a very much positive experience. Um, mm. But yeah, I think, and the same thing with Force Awakens, but, but definitely the least controversial one in the series. <laughs> um, it wasn't just, I didn't come out like, oh, people are going to hate this, so therefore I kind of love it. It was more like, yeah, it's back. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I just, yeah. Would you, did you have like, would you count that as a similar kind of experience for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, the first one I was going to talk about was the sequel trilogy. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, I sort of echo that a lot in that they're just really, really special experiences. Um, for, for me, it was a case of, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm gonna be telling a story now. Every, mm-hmm. Everybody settle down. Everybody get okay. comfortable. It's, it's Matthew's yeah. story time. I'm gonna get a cushion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, and so I, right, I'm going to reveal my age now, all right? Which isn't, you know, <laughs> nothing to be embarrassed about. He's 12. <laughs> I was born in 2000. So I think the only sort of, for, for the, for when I was born, I sort of missed, you know, I missed four films. Um, and I didn't really experience the other two prequels because I was five. <laughs> and who, who, who takes a five-year-old to see the big, the big space battle on Mustafar, really getting their limbs chopped off, <laughs> um, and they haven't even seen the others. But I remember, I sort of remember sort of the first. When I was very young, I can't, I can't remember what age I was. But we sort of, I think, I think the story that my parents tell me is that we were coming back from a holiday or something. And we went into, we went into a HMV and we, we got the original trilogy, the original Star Wars films on DVD. My dad wasn't, he wasn't like a massive super fan of them. I think he'd seen them and thought they were fine. Um, but he'd never really engaged with them like a lot of you know, his friends at the time did. Um, but so we were in HMV and we got them. And one of the ones things sort of, because my, my dad's the way he is, is that he's very much, we're going to watch them in the order they came out. <laughs> right. None of this prequel nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to watch them in the order they came out, which, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for, because that's probably the preferred order that I watch them in now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we got them from that HMV when I was very young. Um, and those DVDs we bought then, they are the ones I still watch now. Oh really? They are they are the exact same version that I, I always watch. Wow. When I, when I watch Star Wars, I watch those DVDs. Mm-hmm. And so you know, from that, from that moment where he first put it on the start of New Hope, I was sort of I was in there. Kid Matthew <laughs> was was engaged. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and you know it was one of the very first things I remember looking at and being oh my god I love this. And you know, the amount of times sort of watch them at home because well I. My only my only experience of watching Star Wars films was on the TV at home. I'd never experienced them in the cinema, um, and I was quite happy. I put them on repeat all the time, and I was playing with my little toys again. I like to specify Kid Matthew here. <laughs> We're still in Kid Matthew territory. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it never, it never, it never occurred to me that there could be more. If that makes sense, it's really weird in that. I just accepted that was it. This is Star Wars. Even I, who didn't have that much of a, of a knowledge of Star Wars before 2014, maybe, mm. I always thought that it was definitely over. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, it, yeah, it's sort of, it's in a period where I, I, I didn't know the stuff that I know now, and I'm not as clued in as I, as I am now about stuff happening on, in, in, in the industry, as people would say. Mm-hmm. Like right now, if, if there's a rumour of so-and-so films being greenlit, everyone knows. Everyone knows three or four years before it comes out that it's happening. Um, whereas I, I, I wasn't aware. I had no idea about Disney buying Lucasfilm. <laughs> none of this. Um, none of that. Until so my first, my first knowledge of it that I remember is the first Force Awakens trailer coming out. I'm going absolutely mental. <laughs> yeah, at this point, I'm maybe not a small child anymore. I was 14, I would have been. But I was absolutely, I bounced off the walls. <laughs> and I also explicitly remember being going sort of the day after. And it's going to be a shout out of this. 
been sat in the science lab at school talking to uh, one of my best friends from school, Zara. Absolutely nerding out of this, losing it. We you know we sort of giggling to ourselves, laughing about it, and just super excited for a film that wouldn't come out for another year. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, and so that sort of built into something that I wasn't expecting to happen. In that, both me and my parents that Christmas of twenty fifteen. Went to the cinema to watch The Force Awakens. And everyone knows the cinema experience. I don't just spell it out. You know, the lights go down. you got half an hour of adverts. <laughs> um, and the moment that I wasn't expecting for it to hit was being sat in the cinema in this perfect environment. And the second that that first blast of the, hot, the music comes on and the Star Wars logos just bang in the centre of the screen. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the music starts and the credits roll. And it was just... That was just such a special moment. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot tell you how much that, that meant to me. And, you know, people, as we know, people bash the people that made the sequels. And I myself might have little niggling problems with them and the, maybe in the way it was handled. But something that will always be within me is that people like Kathleen Kennedy, J.J. Abrams, I will always be grateful to them. Which sounds yeah. weird to say, because I'll never meet them. <laughs> but I'll always be grateful to them for letting me have that moment of being able to see Star Wars in the cinema. Yeah. Um, another, another, another slight moment that I always remember from The Force Awakens was the big scene when Kylo kills uh, Han. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember being sat in the cinema, everyone's glued to the screen, obviously. And it happens, and he, he ignites the lightsaber, and he kills him, and he falls down the shaft. Yeah. <laughs> I remember, I remember at that exact moment, I remember my dad reached over, he put his hands on my arm, and he said, everything's going to be all right. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, so I always remember that as well. Um, and that, that, that feeling of watching the, the credits come onto the screen, that never changed throughout the entire trilogy. Even watching... Uh, Rise of Skywalker when I knew it was coming it still it still just hits you and it just made me really grateful yeah and that's part of the reason why it doesn't matter you know the flaws I will always love those films mm-hmm. and it's a thing where The Force Awakens could have been in most people's opinion most people could have said, told me it was trash but yeah. I would still have loved every second of it there was no way I wouldn't have enjoyed that film. Um, you know, because I know, I know a lot of people, or some people, feel similarly about Phantom Menace in that they had a similar experience to me with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I always love those those three films, so special to yeah. me. And as well, one of the one of the little moments that just sort of blew me away was the Holdo manoeuvre in the cinema. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what an absolute moment. I think that was one of the holy shit moments for me um, mm. when I watched that film. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, the sequel trilogy is very special to me. Yeah. I mean, I have a kind of a similar kind of thing with um, the kind of people around you talking about it. And, mm. and in school, I remember we had a teacher and it was he was like really obsessed with Star Wars and he loved it. Um, so this trailer coming out was a huge deal. And I can't remember if the trailer came out literally when we were in class or if it came out before the class and he just thought, oh, I'll just put it on anyway. Um, and he, he literally stopped the lesson, an important lesson probably, 
Um, and he just put on the trailer. And then after the trailer was done, he got out his little BB-8 droid toy and started just remote controlling it around the room. And this was like a... And I look at I looked at this guy and like, I... For me, I personally like my history of Star Wars. I never... I tried to watch um, A New Hope on DVD once when I was a kid. And I got mm. so scared by Darth Vader that I stopped watching them. Um, yeah, so I literally didn't get past the first like 10 minutes because it was Darth Vader. Um, so I always, for some reason, just never got around to them, actually watching them. And then I heard about episode 7. I was like, maybe I should watch them. Um, kind of became a fan. And the episode 7 trailer came out. And I just remember watching this this teacher who was in his 40s playing with a little droid willfully just saying fuck you to his job and playing a trailer for a movie that's coming out about evil wizards fighting good wizards in space and i just thought this is incredible like this is this is very special and Mm -hmm. and they played a very good trick i think disney by having that trailer come out an entire year before the film came out (laughs) because i swear to god the entire year was just it was just the year defined by way until December. <laughs> I remember that so well. Um, but yeah, it's just a good trilogy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you want to move on to your next one, I guess? Because... Okay, so I've, I've, I've still already had my first one. But I, I, I can do another one. Um... Yeah, I feel like I stole yours. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone, it's everyone's to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so... If anyone ever listens to these and plays bingo with things that we say, uh, prepare your Matthew bingo card because Avengers oh. Endgame is getting a mention. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I've, I've talked about this a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I'll keep this one fairly fairly short on this occasion. So Endgame was a special experience, and I think it's a special experience for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Regardless of you know what you think of the film now, there was such a, there was just such a fanfare around it the first time around. Yeah, I can't remember that year. We've been six months in the build. up was, it was, it was the best way I can describe it is nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it was it was very exciting. The trailers were were so well done. You know, the marketing mm-hmm. team for Endgame revealed nothing. <laughs> I know they deserve medals. Really Honestly, do. they should that year at the Oscars. They should have been like, "Here we go, people!" <laughs> Best Special marketing. considering award for the, the you know, for Marvel Studios for marketing this. Yeah, um, I remember. I remember where, where I was for the first two trailers. I think. So I remember the very first one. Um, it came out when we were in uni. We were in the uh, the common room. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> and it first came out, and you know they didn't. The, the video wasn't titled, because we didn't know the title of the film then. The, mm-hmm. the trailer video wasn't titled anything. It was just Avengers 4. Mm-hmm. Uh, first trailer. And you watch the trailer, and it's sort of no nail-biting stuff. It's all grim. It's all beautiful. It's all perfect stuff. And then the music blares out as the, the crumbled dust forms the word Endgame. And if I wasn't in a public place, I'd have probably stood up and started cheering. It'd have been <laughs> like my team had won the FA Cup. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have yeah um, and the second one I remember watching at a train station at like 7 in the morning mm-hmm. on my phone the Super Bowl one I remember um, yeah 
but yeah, it was such a fanfare around it. The month in the lead up, um, it was sort of, it was sort of timed in the. It came out in April, which was our it's our month off from uni, mm-hmm. or generally. It came out at the end of April, which meant it was at the end of the Easter break. Yeah. <laughs> and you had this month of... You're supposed to be writing essays, but here it is. Yeah, I was um, very distracted. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and that, that month of this insane build-up, I remember I remember booking it online, getting my laptop mm-hmm. out the first day that came on sale, and getting a, an online um, booking for the midnight screening. Yeah. Um, and it was just... It was just such a special moment. And it's one of them <laughs> that I'm just so glad that I had the chance to experience that. Yeah. And then to go into the cinema with all these like minded people at midnight. Mm-hmm. Um any, any other any other time, you know, you'd be you'd be knackered. But I was mm-hmm. wide awake. No caffeine <laughs> needed that day. <laughs> um and just the moments the experience through it and I remember I remember when it first started, because again, half an hour of adverts. Mm-hmm. Half an hour I've seen some random guy drive a Hyundai, Hyundai around for, <laughs> for a bit. <laughs> and the and the typical view trailer goes on, which feels like it goes on for 15 minutes, where you have the liquid turn into a chair, and the chair oh my God. into a projector. <laughs> I I started to hate it, and now that I haven't <laughs> seen it in a while, I, I, want, I miss it. <laughs> I know, I want to see it now. Yeah. Um, so you have that and then I remember it starts and it starts with the scene with Hawkeye on the farm and I remember I remember feeling my heart in my chest going absolutely mental yeah I feel like I wasn't going to be able to see it because I didn't have a heart attack yeah <laughs> but um, yeah and then all the moments that came after it you know the, the, the cheering everybody in the cinema cheering when Mjolnir gets lifted mm-hmm. um, so special and just the moment of one thing I always remember is I don't know why this was exactly what I thought, but when all the portals open and everyone comes out, the music's absolutely, absolutely going for it. Alan Silvestri is, you know, he's just a pile of sweat at this point. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely conducting the shit out of this. His hands are waving about. <laughs> um, yeah, um, it's all going mental, and everybody charges and needs to go mental. I just remember, I remember nearly crying at that moment. Mm-hmm. Because it was just like a moment of the the words, the specific words that entered my mind were, "It's worth it." Yeah, yeah. Like it's all been worth it. Mm-hmm. Because one of the one of the worst fears you have when watching this stuff is that you, know, you mainly get it with TV shows, but if you've been watching it for so long and invested so much time into it, the worst fear you have is that you leave deflated or just that you don't enjoy the finale. But yeah. at that moment, that was the moment I realised, thank you, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's all worth it. And that's not to say I didn't enjoy it up to that point, because I, I, I adore the whole thing. Um, but it was just that, that specific moment where, you know, it reached its fever point. And, uh, yeah, for me, always always 10 out of 10. That movie, to me, is a, is perfection. And I know people have the flaws, but what a moment. What a memory. I think like what was so special about it, I guess like from my point of view was how many people I realized were nerds and I hadn't known. <laughs> <laughs> like I hadn't known people that I knew cared so deeply to the point where they were going to go opening night um, and that sort of thing. Um, and I remember like it was like it was like a full cinema. Like I mean, obviously it 
would be because the high co- highest course in the movie of all time. But, mm-hmm. you know, it was a full cinema. And I, it's so rare that you, that you get a full cinema. Um, it is, even for popular films. Yeah, and I think, you know, in general, you'd rather go to cinema and be have you know have your own space. Um, mm-hmm. But there's something about... I don't know at what point the kind of number makes it better, but when you walk into cinema and you're like, oh, I can, there's not really a seat open. Um, and it's for a film that has had a build-up or at least kind of uh, a big, in, I don't know how to put it, but like a, you know, like a, a build-up, I guess, yeah, of just, mm-hmm. and everyone who you might not even expect to be there opening night, opening weekend, are there. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember this having this very weird feeling I think during like the final battle, I guess, um, and even moments before that, but even just like this moment of like we're watching like a man in an iron suit and <laughs> uh, a raccoon um, and a little tree, a little tree guy um, who died, but also had a baby that off screen kind of and just came back, but he's not actually Groot. He's like Groot two, but not the same person. Um, we have you know a person. We have like Star Lord. We have we have all these different things on screen, and they're all on screen at once, and they're all having their little moments, um, and we're all just fine with it. Like we're all just everyone, even people you would never expect to be like people that would be like turn their heads at or whatever, turn their noses at. You know, the idea of even a sci-fi anything are watching this and are willfully kind of in in the, in this shared experience, I guess. Um, and I think even if, you know, you, you had like a cynical kind of, uh, you know, I don't know what to call it, like a cynical after the fact kind of thing of like, oh, well, the, the time travel, whatever, and all that sort of thing. Um, I think you still can't deny that you were there for that experience mm-hmm. and that you definitely for, even for a brief moment, like shared in a shared experience with people in a room that you had mm-hmm. no idea who they were. But you're kind of like we're all here for this. Like we we came here for this, and we're getting it. <laughs> um, and it isn't just you know when we came here for a product or whatever. We've came here for the emotional like resolution of the last film. Um, and you know Tony Stark saying you know his final his final line. Um, I think and I think even like I think I went to see it with my uh, with my mom. Um, shout out to Helen, I guess. Um, who and she's like a big fan of it, but also I remember watching it and it, I remember near the end and the certain scenes across like these Marvel films, including like the Remy, like the Remy trilogy and other things, like just Marvel in general and DC in general, of like <laughs> Helen will like my mom <laughs> um, will kind of like take extra attention and even mention that she loved this scene. Um, so her, the other, the one that always sticks out to me that she always really loves is in the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie where, um, Peter Parker's like, his uncle's kind of like just died and he's just caught the killer and he's in his bedroom. He's kind of alone and kind of having a moment and Aunt May comes in to talk to him and at the end, Peter Parker kind of, uh, grabs his little painting of Spider-Man and then becomes Spider-Man. Um. Mm-hmm. So he always kind of has like a moment like, oh, this is the scene I love, this is the scene I love. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. And then in this, in Endgame, it was a lot of things. And I think she 
she did almost cry at Tony dying. But also, I think she always says this. Um, she really loves the scene between Captain America, the Falcon, and Winter Soldier, um, and that kind of handing down the mantle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was something very special and very on brand for Kevin Feige, I guess, um, that he knows his audience so well that he didn't he didn't really end his big blockbuster finishing film with uh, a setup for the next film or a confirmation that Thanos is definitely dead or you know any sort of I it, I don't know how to put it but any sort of you know blockbuster kind of thing we're used to and it ended with you know him hanging down the mantle and kind of a flashback to um uh, Steve Rogers having the dance with Peggy mm. and I remember that and I just remember thinking like, this is incredible that potentially and it was for a while the biggest film of all time ends with two people having a little dance <laughs> and that's literally the most cathartic like euphoric kind of oh finally kind of moment in that film of huge blockbuster cathartic moments <laughs> mm. um, and I think that's just something really really special um and yeah i'll definitely kind of like i guess like share that experience with people that i know like across the world you can always say you know i was there when that film came out and i watched it opening weekend or whatever mm. um, and as well sort of the way that people responded like almost everybody will be able to say that oh do you remember when people cheered when they picked up me on there <laughs> yeah yeah so many different things Mm-hmm. Yeah, really special. Um, um, do you want to wanna... <laughs> <laughs> move on to your next one? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go for my first little subversive wouldn't be expecting this one kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go for Transformers 2, Revenge of the Fallen. <laughs> okay. okay, it's okay. an odd choice. You have my it's attention. An odd yeah, okay, it's an odd choice, I admit. But it is one I will always remember. Um, and I think because it came out in 2009, I think. So I was nine years old. I was still in primary school. Um, uh, the first film came out two years prior. And I remember very well leaving the cinema off the first film. And for some reason, I guess it was kind of like like my Star Wars, I guess. Um mm-hmm. At least for like my Jurassic Park for that like moment, it was. I came out and for whatever reason I thought, you know, the All Spark Cube was the best plot thing ever made, and I was <laughs> I was obsessed with Megatron and Optimus Prime, and I thought Sam Witwicky was like one of the best protagonists ever because he was so funny. Um, all these different elements that kind of played a part of it in the the finale in the in the city where everyone's running about and there's just absolute terror, and I thought it was amazing when the xbox became a transformer <laughs> um all these different moments and i just remember to me it was definitely like without twitter or whatever or people that were older than me telling me what was wrong in the movie or what it missed out in the cartoon or whatever it might be i d- had that kind of oh if i loved it then everyone must love it a kind of thing that kind of thing you kind of assume when you're a kid i guess mm-hmm. um because i loved it so much i couldn't imagine that it wasn't a worldwide phenomenon kind of people love this now and couldn't wait for the sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, the film is 
the most well-liked Transformers film, but it wasn't the, you know, critical, this is the franchise of the future kind of film um, yeah. that I thought it was. So I think, for me, I had this weird thing where for a, for, for like maybe like half a year or something, the build-up and the hype and watching the trailers, and I couldn't, I don't even know how I watched the trailers because I didn't have a laptop or anything. I just had a very old computer. So I don't really know how I did it. But I remember being so excited for um, this the second film. I remember someone, maybe Salter James, he might have saw it before me, um, one of my friends from school. And I remember walking home with him and just asking him like every question you could ever ask about Transformers. And he had a very different experience for Transformers, even at that age, where he was like, I don't know, it was pretty good. I saw robots hate each other. <laughs> um, I don't think he had that kind of and weird weird thing that I had with it where I thought it was the best thing in the world. Um, and I asked him so many questions. I asked him so many questions from the trailers that there were points where he had no idea what I was talking about. Because in the, in a two and a half hour movie directed by Michael Bay, things begin to fall apart <laughs> and you don't really remember much of it. Um, and I was asking him so many specific questions like, what is what is this wolf creature that we saw in the trailer? And what is it like? Is this is the your spark back? And is Optimus actually going to die? And all, this, all these other things. And I was like, it was so unbelievably overhyped in my mind and heart that only the nine-year-old kind of who loves everything that has action in it um, would love the second one as much as I did. Um, and it's still kind of in a nostalgic way it lasts like till today where I kind of by the third entry by the Dark of the Moon one I was kind of aware of the hatred towards these films and I was kind of getting a bit more yeah this isn't great <laughs> um, towards films and I remember the third film kind of like I wanted to see it I, but I kind of hate the fact that I wanted to see it um, and but the second one I remember especially the first two Till this day, I look upon them with some sort of weird um, rose-tinted rose glasses sort of effect where I just kind of look at them and go, ah, you're so good, though. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I, and then like, sometimes I do watch them every once in a while, like, on TV, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I think, why did I, why did I, why did I watch this two, two-hour, 40-minute movie in which is, like, maybe half an hour dedicated to wacky hijinks involving, mm -hmm. you know... A, a college student just being a pervert, which is much of the humor of that of the second film. Mm -hmm. um, and I just don't. And I remember as well, it kind of even because I love it so much, it kind of skewed my viewpoint on what uh, high school and college, like a uh, university, was for a long time. <laughs> like because in my mind, it was the Michael Bay experience. <laughs> 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 it was, you know, I think it's hilarious to this day that. Um, the fifth film um, has this moment where the characters go to uh, like kind of research something about the like the deep lore behind the Transformers and how long they've existed, um, and the way that they do it, and they, it's the only way I can imagine Michael Bay studying for anything is uh, Mark Wahlberg and the new woman go in, go like into a room of books and start smashing the books against walls, <laughs> and just kind of hoping that at some point the MacGuffin or whatever it is kind of pops up out of nowhere. And it does, don't worry, it does. Um, so it works, that, that form of studying, just bashing a book against a wall. Um, 
And I just remember this weird thing where it was the most important thing in the world seeing the second Transformers movie. And then I saw it and I loved it because I was nine years old. Um, it had big robots um, and it, you know, it had an explosion or two um, in it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's it's unique because it kind of goes back to that point I was kind of said before where even if you kind of retroactively rewatch a film or critically engage it differently or you watch a video on YouTube even where it's a bit of like um, a takedown of it or whatever it might be, you still have that weird kind of core love of the thing if you loved it the first time in cinema. Um, which is definitely true for like Transformers. Like I look at it now and I go, there's a million and one issues here, but I kind of still love it because I can, I can just remember the feeling of what it meant to me when I was younger and how much better it was when I was younger. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think it's it's a fascinating thing how much the cinema experience kind of forms your core appreciation for something. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if you hate a film and therefore in cinema and then retroactively you kind of start to love it, it always becomes a film in your mind that was, I hated it and now I love it. It's never just... I love it now. It always has that kind of arc to it, where you can't, mm. you can't really untether that experience from the initial uh, dark room, big speakers, big screen experience. Um, yeah, I just find that kind of fascinating. I think Transformers Two was definitely a weird highlight in my life. Mm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, <laughs> do you have a similar experience with Transformers? <laughs> um, I remember. I think is is Transformers Two the one. Where Optimus Prime dies for a bit. Yeah, yeah. I remember that then, scene mm-hmm, in the, the forest. Like the trees are exploding and the warehouses are exploding and Sam Wicky's moving in slow motion. <laughs> I remember that very clearly in in the cinema. Uh, that's the only part I remember from the film, though. Something with a pyramid. Yeah, it's the one with the pyramid. It's the one yeah. where they kind of. It's the first one when they're like, oh, they've always existed on Earth, even though the first film had none of that in it. But okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, remember, I remember that that much. Um, so the closest thing I can have to a sort of similar experience is maybe with Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. But more so in the fact that now I still genuinely uphold that the, that the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy are all amazing films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whereas with Transformers, I maybe don't uphold that as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've maybe mentioned it before. One of the experiences I had with World's End was that we were sat right at the front. Mm-hmm. I remember looking up, I mean, almost directly up <laughs> at the screen, as the big whirlpools happening. Yeah. <laughs> and just being like, it's something like what you said with the battle in Transformers 2, just being like, oh my god. <laughs> You've done it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I, certainly, I certainly know the feeling. Mm-hmm. I remember the almost panic feeling that I had when I was becoming aware of the, I guess not as critical backlash, but also like a gen kind of a not a dislike. I don't know how to put it, but people don't love the sequels to Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm, um, I know the kind of panic I had was when I was a bit younger, thinking, "Oh no, they're actually bad," <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was very happy to realize, "Oh no, it's just." a bit different than what people were expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. 
Do you want to move on to your next one? <laughs> we can do. So my, my last two are, they're very different from, from what we've already discussed. Um, and so this this first one of this, this two set of two, because they're very much similar. First one I'm going to talk about is Paddington 2. <laughs> right. So when, when, when you think about this film, the first thing that comes into your mind is probably not a uh, big cinema experience. And so I enjoyed the first one. We went to see it. It's going to be a good time. We're going to enjoy it, which I did. You know, you sat there, perfect environment. You're in, you're in the film. You're really enjoying it. It's really funny. It's really sweet. Genuinely lovely film. Um, and I, I, I still maintain it's, you know, it's recently been made the, the number one film on Rotten Tomatoes or something. It has, yeah. <laughs> a title it completely deserves. Absolutely does. <laughs> I don't see how anyone can argue argue otherwise. It deserves that title. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason for that is the ending to the film, mm-hmm. which is, so I'm, I want you to read a picture of this. I'm sat, sat in the cinema with my mum because that's, that's the way we watch films. <laughs> um, perfect environment, like I said. And this, this, if I watched this on telly, I know maybe this wouldn't have been the experience I had because it's not that intense environment. But you know, lights are down. You're absorbed in the film. Perfect environment. You're completely in there, and the film ends with I think it's Paddington waking up or something. Yeah. Um, and they the ring at there's a, there's a ring at the door. They open the door, and it's I think is it. Auntie Lucy, is it the name of the yeah. character? Yeah. <laughs> and he's so happy and he hugs her and the last shot of him is of him with his arms around her hugging her. And at that moment, I just remember, it felt like I'd been injected with pure happiness. <laughs> and it made me cry a bit. Yeah. And I remember the feeling after this, it was of, how dare they? They've absolutely <laughs> done me there. They have. Yeah. I I feel I feel. They've played me. <laughs> they tricked me <laughs> because it's just such a well executed little ending, and that that ending is that ending is why I. It's the reason why I will say you know it deserves to be that number one spot on on tomatoes. It does yeah. Um, that moment was just because it's just so unexpected. You think, oh, it's a nice happy ending. We're rounding it off, and then bang. In tears, sobbing yeah. with with, with <laughs> happiness. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, did, did you have a similar experience? I yeah, I definitely did. I remember it was. I think it was the first film I saw in cinema, like the year it came out. Um, mm. so like it was the first film of the new year, and yeah. I remember it ending and thinking, God damn it, it's never going to get better than this. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't think it really did because that film is, it's so uniquely special. And I think one of the, the main things I love about it is the fact that watching the first film and then this film, um, it kind of does everything just a bit better. And it's just kind of one of the things where that bit better makes us want more special. Um, mm. like every character in the first film does have a thing to do and a bit of an arc but in the second film they actually it they really give everything like an arc and every character mm. has an amazingly well handled and humorous and great like sweet arc of just middle class character or you know 
Even like I remember when um the moment where the the mother character, the human mother character, um kind of uh she does like a dive off like the big bridge and mm-hmm. goes underwater to save Paddington. I remember like having a moment of like, holy fuck <laughs> Like that's a payoff. <laughs> it is. Yeah, I'm, yeah, that, that, that was also a moment where, you know, you feel it in your chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's so many things across that these films, and especially the second one, that's just oddly and out of nowhere perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think the producing team behind it made Harry Potter. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess that kind of explains how they've done the the very specific British blend of humour and cordiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, but other than that, it's kind of just... It's very rare that you get a film that good and that not, I guess, mean-spirited. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah. It's weird for a film to not have that much darkness and that much... It just has sticks, but it doesn't have that much darkness and that much, I guess... It does have... Uh, I don't know how to put it, but... It's weird for a film to be that tonally not dark and have it be as kind of dramatic. It's like it maintains like a constant optimism. It does. It doesn't ever lose that, which is a miracle. Um, mm. Even when they go to prison. Like, there's a. The entire section in the prison is so good. And mm-hmm. there's something. And the pink uniforms. The pink uniforms and the little, the little meals I start making. Yeah. Uh, the marmalade sandwiches and. Oh my god, it's so good. And then there's just so many different elements to it. And I think the ending, I think the film had me from the get go. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't, oh, yeah. I wasn't like, oh, this is the bad film. I was, I was like, this is, this is great, and I love it. And I think it was the ending for me that really kind of solidified it. And then we have the film you think couldn't get better, and then they have an end credit scene of Hugh Grant just having the time of his life. <laughs> um, kind of just having a little dance down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Um, all those other things. I just think it's... didn't have to, It's one of those things where you didn't have to do that, but you did it. I'm happy about it. <laughs> um, it's like, you, it, yeah. you didn't have to be that good. Yeah. But you were. Yeah. It's just such a... It's hard to put it into kind of simple terms of... Without just getting into screenwriting of, like, how like tight it is. Like, every... Every, like, you know, gear is working in perfect cohesion with each other. Like, every character arc is so well done and the villain is so well relevant to the actual part of the like, story. Um, mm. The tone is never confusing. It's always on point. Um, it's just... It is kind of a small miracle. And I think it kind of unfortunately ruined that year of movies for me because it never got better. <laughs> um, it got, I guess so sometimes I got close, but nothing, nothing padded into. <laughs> Set the bar incredibly high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Do you want to move on to your next one? Uh, yeah. So my next one is mm-hmm. uh, kind of a weird one for me because I have definitely, similar to Transformers, kind of, soured on the overall quality of it um but the the amazing spider-man 2 um okay. andrew garfield um emma stone again it's sort of a hype thing around the film before the actual film um i don't know what it really was um there was something about the first amazing spider-man film that kind of 
reintroduced <clears throat> into the character. It's kind of, mm-hmm. It sounds strange because, you know, if you don't know, my favorite film of all time is Spider-Man 2 by Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire. Um, so it sounds weird to say the first Amazing Spider-Man film kind of reintroduced me to the character. But I'd probably say that, you know, it wasn't always the case in my mind that Spider-Man 2 was the best film of all time. Um, it wasn't like a childhood kind of relic that I had watched over and over again to the point where there's no other competition, if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. It was definitely, I love this film. I love this trilogy. I took a break from it. I didn't really think about it that much. Um, I watched the new Amazing Spider-Man film. Um, I, at 12 years old, I think, I kind of like, I did love it. Um, the first one, I think, for some reason I did, I, for some reason, I don't really know what it was, but I think there was a very specific experience with it that I had that was oddly something that I needed. I can't really describe, I don't know what, why I can't describe it, but I just can't describe why it hit me. This kind of film that, I, if you ask my opinion on it now, the first Amazing Spider-Man film was kind of a middling, pretty good movie. Um, mm-hmm. So I can't really articulate why it hit me so hard when I was a kid. I was like 12 years old. I was like, oh yeah, Spider-Man's pretty cool. And I like that, those first three films. Um, and then it kind of went from there. And that the two years in between those films, 2002, 2012 to 2014, um, was a very weird thing because I went from being like, oh yeah, a new Spider-Man film to holy shit, the next Spider-Man film. <laughs> um, and it had all the villains in the world. It had Rhino, it had Green Goblin, it had Electro. Um, you had Emma and Andrew back, who I kind of loved from the first film. Um, I By this point, I had watched the first film a million times over, and I had known every behind-the-scenes sort of thing about these films. I had watched every sort of video on YouTube about which one's better, the, the Spider-Man 2002 or the Spider-Man 2012. Um, you know, I've watched so many different things and I was so obsessed with that kind of fan culture, I guess, around this sort of thing. Um, I had followed this channel on YouTube that was called, I think, Seven Webheads. Um, <laughs> and his entire his entire channel was dedicated to just the fan theories around this new film coming out. Um, oh wow! <laughs> and it was just, it was all the theories in the world. It was all the the trailer analysis. And it was all this sort of thing, and similar to like, I guess not entirely similar, but somewhat similar to Transformers Two, where I just assumed that this film was the most important thing in the world to everyone, um, even though I was definitely wrong about that. <laughs> it just kind of, it kind of took up a lot of my space in my head <laughs> for a long time, and. <laughs> Leading up to it, I never went to the cinema. And it's a very similar thing to things like, you know, Force Awakens or, you know, stuff like that, where it was the day of the most important day of my life, <laughs> yeah. um, seeing this film. I remember watching it. I remember, I remember mostly loving it. I actually remember, I think as well, because you get to a certain point when you theorize about so many different things that at some point you're bound to get it right and therefore that mm-hmm. makes you feel good. Um, so I think that definitely gave me kind of a, a weird sort of appreciation for it on like a different level. Um, also, it's a film for a 14-year-old like erratic kid that was Henry. Um, the second Amazing Spider-Man film is a very erratic film. It's very 
there's so many different things happening at once and it's all a mess I would say it's definitely a mess it's a mess of a film it is really unfocused it is setting up a million and one things for different films um it kind of its main way of having people interact with each other is having them by accident by accident um uh bumping each other into an elevator it's it's something that happens in that film i think at least four times is two characters haven't met will out of nowhere meet in an elevator and be like oh this person i'm like oh that person yeah you you've met now in an elevator um it's such a weird mess on the script level, but also because it's such a mess, it's kind of always fun. There's always something weird happening, <laughs> um, especially with Electro, who is a choice that I find fascinating <laughs> because, you know, I think Green Goblin have my issues, but also I kind of know what they're going for. Um, but then you have Electro, in which I just have not a clue what they're going for. Um he has he has a he has a comb over and goofy teeth. He is not connected to any sort of theme of the film. Just like if you if you try to tell me what thematically or like the I guess the the controlling idea of the main Spider-Man two is, I don't think there is one until the very very end, um, because there's so many different ideas at play in the film, um, and Electro just doesn't fit in anywhere. Um, I'm kind of glad but, that you got another chance to do that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and it's just, but as a 14 year old kid and in, as someone who was so excited for this film and had every fan theory about what the film was going to be, and finally seeing it and have it all happen and have that Hans Zimmer score and have that, I still think unrivaled CGI of the Spider-Man character. Um, and having it be so bombastic and loud <laughs> and kind of end on the note we all... I mean, the biggest fan theory was obviously that Gwen might die because he was wearing the exact same outfit from the comics, um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, don't spoil that, Sony. Um, but they did. Um, I remember that. And I think, still to this day, I do think that The Main Spider-Man 2 is a big mess of a film until the last 20 minutes. And then it becomes... A really good Spider-Man short film. <laughs> um, it's kind of weird that, and I think it definitely coloured my um, look upon the film from that point on. Where I looked upon it as a film in which the last twenty minutes were the best part, and therefore that means it's a good film. Um, as a fortunate kid, I thought if it ended good, it was always good. <laughs> um, and there was just like I don't know what it was, but never leaving a cinema and having. Uh, experience where people making fun of Mark Webb's name because his name was Webb. Everyone was just making the same joke. I heard that. I heard that at least ten times. I come out of the cinema. Oh, the director's name is Mark Webb. Well, hurry, he got the job. Um, and just that joke. A very similar experience as well with, I guess, your dad and the Force Awakens and Han dying. Um, mm-hmm. When Gwen died, I watched it with both, with, uh, both my parents, and I think my dad is probably. <laughs> from this story at least a bit, a bit more unaware <laughs> than maybe yours but when Gwen died he in a totally silent theatre totally silent totally stone cold did a main character just die Tony goes my dad <laughs> Tony out loud in a full on not a whisper voice like a full on talking to someone in a cafe voice um, <laughs> goes is she dead? 
just asks to, <laughs> asks to know, but, but not even asking to me, asking to the thin air, is she dead? And it was, it broke the tension. <laughs> it broke the atmosphere. It's like, I don't know if the moment, like there was a moment of silence when Captain America lifted Molnir Mo- um, and then someone mm-hmm. just went, did he just lift the fucking thing? <laughs> like, it would just break the, it would break the moment and that's what happened uh-huh. and they're all, I remember being vaguely kind of annoyed at the time, but I think looking back at it now, it's definitely, I mean, it's, it's iconic in my household that my dad said that because every time someone dies in the film, no matter what film, no matter how much he actually does care about the character, we will say, is he dead? <laughs> <laughs> because he does that moment, such a weird moment. And like I said, like keep on saying about cinema experiences, like, you don't genuinely forget about the cinema experience. Um, even, if you, even if you don't like the film, you definitely remember the fact that you went to the cinema and what mm-hmm. that particular cinema experience was like. Um, yeah. Very similar, like, other thing where I... It's weird because it's, I love these last two films, but the Harry Potter films, I remember seeing them in cinema, but not because of what it was like seeing them in cinema, but more because my dad, after the first part, asked... So when do we go in for part two? I had to explain to him, no, it's part one as in part two next summer. Like, new film next summer. And he's like, oh my god, fuck you. <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of like the experience, not only of this movie, but also around the movie becomes really important um, compared to streaming in which you are on mm. the same couch you were always on and you are watching it in the same room. You're always watching films and it can kind of blend together, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's my experience with that mess of a film that is somewhat good mm. at points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I I had a very similar sort of moment at the end of it where it was sort of, have they, have they killed? <laughs> <laughs> uh, have they? Have yeah. they done it? Did they do the thing? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. It was it was an unusual film in many ways, and it's only only sort of since I've been more aware of film stuff exactly why it's a weird film. It's a very weird film. <laughs> yeah. Um. Shall I move on to my final one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my my final one is it's similar to what I said about Paddington. However, it's it's, it's I suppose it's, it's a combination of Paddington Two and Avengers Endgame. In that it is Mamma Mia 2. There we go. <laughs> um, so, you know, you go and see this with a bunch of like-minded people in the cinema. It wasn't packed, it wasn't endgame level, but it was fairly busy. Um, and it's sort of... It's quite really euphoric film. You know, it's Mamma Mia 2. Mm-hmm. It's, it's party time. It's a party atmosphere. Everyone's <laughs> come for a good time. Listen to some other music, see some good some good uh, musical sections, which is what you got. I think we've said in the past and put on the podcast how weirdly a good film it is. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of its way it's structured and you know it's you know, you can actually make a comparison between it and Godfather Two, which, you know, many cinephiles will probably scoff at that sentence, but <laughs> you can yeah. make the comparison. Um, 
And so you you have you have all this sort of really wonderfully done film. It's a really nice experience. And then, just like Aunt Lucy's introduction at the end of Paddington Two, you have the scene in the church at the end, where you know you're watching it and you think, "Oh, this is lovely." Going down the centre of the church with the baby, on and she's she's singing the song. It's oh, it's lovely. It's quite touching. Then she reaches like the. Um, I don't know what to call it other than the, the, the baptism fountain. Yeah. <laughs> and you, re- you reach sort of the water and she bends over and you see, holy shit, it's Meryl Streep. <laughs> She's back from the dead. <laughs> there she is. Her face is there and she's singing along. And it's one of those moments which just kind of broke me a bit. Yeah, yeah. Because similar to Paddington to you in this environment, which is absolutely perfect, and I'm just starting to sob. I'm trying to hold it in, but there's no success. <laughs> starting to sob and it keeps going it's just absolutely it's a really special scene I mm-hmm. absolutely love it um, never fails to bring a tear to my eye now mm-hmm. um, and so and, and she sort of leaves and similar to Pangan 2 is left with a feeling of thinking that was filthy <laughs> you've, you've actually done that to me you had no right to do that <laughs> and you've, 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 you've just you've just you've just done me again Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think as well one of the things was, I think I might be wrong about this, but I think uh, Miami and Paddington came out not too far apart from each other. I think so, yeah. Because I seem to remember, I can't remember which way around it was, but I remember one of them happened to me, and I was thinking, oh, it's just a one-off. I don't cry in the cinema very often, and then the other one must have happened maybe the second time after. Right. So it was like sort of like a, in the same period of time I'd sort of been I'd been made to cry in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I also remember because that scene around me too, it's the very sort of final scene. It's meant to be quite weepy. Mm-hmm. And so the lights come back on and you look around and everyone's got a red under their eyes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a really it's a really special way to end a film, and it's it got me. <laughs> Let's just mm-hmm. say that. Yeah, it's. I never. I had a, a similar experience, but mine was. I don't want to say ruined, but I want to say kind of the tone definitely got shifted. Um, mm-hmm. Where for me that moment happened where Meryl Streep appears. Um, I definitely almost like, oh, this is a moment. Um, and then something really kind of hilarious happened, where because the cinema was quite full when I watched mm-hmm. it, um, and someone next to me. He was <laughs> like uh, that's like in like you know the age of Nell Sheep, uh, like that sort of age range. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, started crying, but she was like right next to me, and she was crying like not in a a, a tear down the eye, you know, a tear down the, the cheek sort of thing. It was more <laughs> like get her a tissue. Oh God, she's gonna run out of water. Um, <laughs> it was like that. And then the hilarious thing that made it so funny was her daughter was there and her daughter like literally like looked over to her and like kind of like asked her, Mom, what's wrong? <laughs> 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 and I was sitting there and I was watching this film thinking, I should be crying or I should at least be very emotional. But I'm so distracted by whatever's happening next to me <laughs> because she was having like a midlife crisis breakdown in the cinema. Um, <laughs> And it, it's one of those things where, like, that entire film, I think, is 
as close to perfect as you can get, especially for a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, again, that's sort of a shared experience sort of thing where I wouldn't have that experience without the cinema experience. Like, mm, yeah. As, as kind of somewhat, I guess, annoyingly tone-shifting as it might be to have someone do something funny in a sad scene or do something sad during a funny scene. Um, mm-hmm. It's, I guess, kind of... It just becomes a part of the memory for you. At least for me, it becomes a part of the memory. Um, so when I see that scene now, Miller Street popping up, I just think of every middle, like middle-aged, forty-year-old, fifty-year-old woman, just breaking down, and me sort of there, kind of understanding why you're crying, but also kind of having a little bit of a laugh. <laughs> um, um, and it, yeah, it sort of it made that experience weirdly more wholesome because I got to see. The, the range of emotional effect this film had. <laughs> yeah, it's a shared um, experience, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I think, again, like we said before, like what a weirdly, compared to Amazing Spider-Man 2, which is a mess, what a weirdly, perfectly structured mm-hmm. film. And like you said, it's, it's, it's Godfather Part 2, but maybe better. I had sort of... It's a very different film, but I still had a similar experience that I always remember in the cinema with Knives Out. So it wasn't even towards the end of the film. It was about a third of the way through the film. It was a fairly, fairly full cinema. And I think it's at the point where, you know, it's starting to get, and the mystery's starting to be, you know, set up properly. I think Daniel Craig's probably, I think Daniel Craig's doing sort of the first round of interviews. Um... And this this older guy sat in front of us. Um, <laughs> he was falling asleep. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like he's 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 sleeping during this. What I, what I would say is quite a riveting detective who done it. Yeah. And there's this guy sat in front of us, full on head back, mouth <laughs> gaping open, <laughs> going. <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's sort of like a massive tone shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Oh, good. Have you something got... It, there's something about a, a, a member of the audience that sticks out. That's always really funny, no matter what yes. they're doing. <laughs> I mean, they can be annoying if they're on the phone or something or they're talking, but every now and then oh, you've yeah. just got to see one of these experiences and just... <laughs> I've been very lucky, I guess, in general. I haven't had that many annoying experiences with different people in cinema. Neither have I. I mean, I think once my my dad nearly killed a child because oh <laughs> because he was kicking the back of his seat. Oh, okay. That's but fair. I I thankfully have never never had one like that. Yeah, I've had like on the verge of being annoying, but never actually annoying mm-hmm. sort of things. But yeah, uh, to move on, I guess. Yeah. You say you have one <laughs> to, more? Yeah, to my last one. I won't mm-hmm. be talking about much because it's a bit of subversive, as in. It's probably my most disappointing cinema experience. Oh. Even though I wasn't looking forward to it that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one I definitely remember for being, again, weirdly hilarious. Um, and it was kind of a shared kind of... Again, even though it wasn't a shared, you know, happy feeling, it was definitely a shared kind of... Oh, that was a film that they made? Oh, God. Um, Dark Phoenix. Okay. Um, it's a weird one because, you know, no one was really excited for this film. Mm-hmm. They were more kind of cautiously 
aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think similar thing to me, I was very much kind of, oh yeah, they're making an, a new one and it's doing the same thing and it's a first time director and it's the writer that we liked from the previous ones is gone now and all that sort of thing. Um, and I remember just, and it was it started. And I was like, oh, this, this is interesting. This is, this is doing. They were in space. The they're kind of concentrating a bit more on Jean Grey than the last interpretation did. Uh, the last stand. Um, it might be better than the last stand. I still don't know. I still don't quite know how I sit on that issue. They're both mm-hmm. kind of bad films. Um, but there was sort of this weird thing where I had um, I had left a social situation to go see this film. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't really told anyone that I was doing that. I kind of just couldn't be asked for doing this whole situation anymore. <laughs> um, so I just kind of went. Uh, I kind of went. I went for my phone and went. Oh, what's what's on the cinema right now? <laughs> um, and I was like, Oh yeah, Dark Phoenix. Like, oh, I guess I will see that because I guess that is important to my. You know, I like this genre and I usually keep up the date of it. So I'll go see it. Um, I want to see it, and I think it's. I think you. You. I think you. I imagine you might agree, but we kind of prefer the cinema experience over a lot of different social experiences. Yes. <laughs> um, and this is definitely the case here where as much as this film was kind of really boring and really a drag, uh, it had interesting ideas, but it didn't really do it very well. Um, mm-hmm. There's something about it. Like, there's something about like, being in cinema. I was like wearing clothes for an actual social day out. Um, and I like, kind of had a more like, God, I, I'm such a fucking nerd. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was still enjoying this more. <laughs> um, um, I remember as well, it was similar, an intentional, hilarious moment of, and I think it's kind of become somewhat iconic now, um, of um, Professor X um, being forced to walk up to the stairs. Mm-hmm. Remember this scene? This little little nugget of a moment, this little golden little moment in the cinema. Um where the oddest wire work is happening watching a man pretend to have the pain of walking upstairs. Um <laughs> and it looks hilarious. Um and the music by Hans Zimmer is making it dark. And I remember being in the cinema and there's a group of like people that were about my age, like to the, the bottom left or whatever, bottom right. And they were laughing so hysterically that it kind of it kind of encompassed the entire cinema. Like mm-hmm. we all kind of acknowledged together, this is ridiculous, but God, is it funny? <laughs> like, well, I will definitely remember the rest of my life. Um, and it's one of the things where we had because Endgame had a came up before this, so we had like a similar kind. Of, it was kind of a weird thing of like two franchises ending that had been long running. And one was very good, and one was very bad. Um, and Ember, in any chance I get to have any sort of, or even to hear any sort of film critique by people that I guess don't usually care that much about critiquing films, I always find really interesting. So I remember walking outside out of the cinema and having people, I think the same group of people, the same group of people around my age, talking about this film and how it compares to Endgame and why Endgame worked and this one didn't. And it was weird because, like, I was behind them the entire way, pretty much, like, walking out of the cinema. And I had this thing, like, pretty much, like, nodding my head going, yeah, they're right. Yeah. Yeah. They're done. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> like, this is nice. I kind of enjoy this. Um, and again, I kind of, 
I went home and I didn't go back to the social situation I was meant to be at. And uh, I kind of had a moment of like, I'm glad I did that, you know? And I think that's, I think that isn't universal. I don't think everyone has that affinity for going to cinema, the cinema. Um, but I think me and you definitely do. <laughs> and definitely in a moment I was yeah. like, yeah, I prefer doing that over many different things. <laughs> um, <laughs> even for a bad film, like it's weird that a bad not only bad but like bad as in like disappointing for a franchise that I've been watching since I was a kid um mm-hmm. ending franchise ending film was a bad film and I still had more I guess fun and memory from that than the actual the actual kind of thing that I was meant to be doing <laughs> um but yeah that's kind of my last thing I want to talk about because I don't know it has seemed relevant to talk about the cinema and having Avoiding actual contact <laughs> um, yeah. for the experience, but yeah, that's my last one. Yeah, in a, in a similar vein, one of the things that um, me and Mum often think is that sometimes, if it's a really hot day, the best thing to do is go to the cinema and darkened aircon room. Oh my god, yes, the best thing in the world. <laughs> just, I can't be bothered with this heat. Yeah, I need aircon. Yeah. Let's go to the cinema. Whenever I'm like in overheated in the summer I'm like the perfect room for this is the cinema <laughs> god damn it <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> uh, yeah yeah that's the that's the cinema experience mm-hmm. that's our experience it's all in the one our best ones are worse but somehow still the best <laughs> some fond memories there yeah some fond <laughs> memories shall yeah. I wrap us up yeah you can put a pretty little bow on um <laughs> Um, so we, we hope you've enjoyed. Um, we hope you've got your own sort of happy cinema experiences. Mm-hmm. If you'd like to let us know about them, please do. Comment or send us a message on Instagram or Twitter. We are more than happy to talk about it. Um, yeah. You know, cinemas are opening back up. We hope people stay safe, but we, we hope people continue to make such happy memories as we, we see more films go back to the cinema. Mm-hmm. Where they should be, one might say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, if you want more from us, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter, as I mentioned. We're still cranking out uh, reviews. We might be, we might be doing a slight increase in them. We 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 turn out over the summer, mm-hmm. uh, with our maybe hopefully brand new style implemented by uh, by the start of June, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Why don't we give ourselves deadlines? Setting like ourselves up for failure. <laughs> it's our own business. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, you can find us more on there. On Instagram, we are at Marvelous Cinema Podcast, and on Twitter, we are at Cinema Marvelous. I have been your co Matthew. And I have been your local host, Henry. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Um, leave it off. Oh, I forgot to mention liking and reviewing. That's um, fine. <laughs> they all help us out so much. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Thank you. Bye.